thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. Hey, I really hope you were able to get into the presence of the Lord in a beautiful way during that time of worship. But now let's transition into the time of the Word. We're going to be in Believable Week 5, and I want to talk to you about the fact that all I have is all I need. We'll jump into a little bit of context of what that means. And I'm really excited to preach on this message today. This particular miracle is a unique miracle. I know you're probably familiar with it. It's the story of the five loaves and the two fish where the 5,000 were fed. Now, this is an interesting event because this one was actually recorded in all four of the Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 is a crucial public mass miracle, which all four of the gospel writers chose to put into their writing because it was such a paramount miracle of that day. So there's different details that are found in different gospels, but what I'm going to try and do is, as we've been doing uh, the book of John so in depth, I want to try to extract as much as we can from the book of John. So we'll kind of camp there, but let's pick it up. And this is in John chapter six, verse one. It says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, and a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. You see, it's no secret that the miraculous demonstration, the supernatural demonstration of God's power demands the attention of the people. We've been talking about this during our midweek services on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about how Jesus would go and he would move in the miraculous power of God. And when he would do this, he wasn't just doing it to display God's power. He was setting the stage. He was creating a precedent to gain the attentive ear of the people. When he moved in the power of God, it was to set the stage for the more important thing, which was the kingdom message. It was the gospel. And Jesus would heal the sick and move in power, cast out demons, and he would do this. And people were like, wow, this guy is different. He doesn't just have a message. He, he could actually back up his message with, with power and with demonstration of the kingdom of God. But that set the stage for people to pay attention to what he had to say. It gained a confident ear of the listeners. You see, they paid attention to what he had to say because of what he could do. And those two have got to go together, what you can say and what you could do. Verse three of John chapter six, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus had a habit of doing this. He had a habit of climbing a nearby hill or going up on a mountaintops. And he would often go up to a difficult and elevated place so that uh, when people got to him, they got to him because of their intentionality. It wasn't that he chose some super ridiculously convenient location somewhere down at some easy air-conditioned spot. He chose a spot up on the hill. Now, there might be some practical reasons as to why. It was maybe because he was up and elevated and he was able to speak and his voice would carry further and people could hear him. Maybe the, the hill acted as like a, a stage for what you and I would 
be familiar with. And that was like a natural stage where people down below could see him as he preached. And that's very, very likely. But I also believe that there's a spiritual connotation to it. I believe he was choosing a somewhat inconvenient location to get to, because if you wanted to get to him, you were going to be intentional about doing it. You were going to be intentional about getting up that hill because you wanted to hear what Jesus had to say and to see what Jesus was going to do. It was a place where only the truly hungry were going to get to. Only the truly hungry, only those who really desired to be near Jesus were going to endeavor to get to that kind of a location. So you got to ask yourself, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm always in a place where I want to climb the hill. I don't know if I'm always in a place where I want to, in my context, sacrifice in order to get there. I get lazy sometimes, I get self-indulged, I get thinking about all the things that I want to do instead of being willing to put myself aside and do what it takes to get into the presence of Jesus. So I think you need to ask yourself, I think we all need to ask ourselves, are you willing to climb the hill to get close to him? Are you willing to wake up earlier to get close to him? Are you willing to linger later? Even if it means lingering in the presence of God past the time of the kickoff for your favorite football team or your favorite event? Are you willing to drive a little further? Are you willing to just do whatever it might be to be that extra degree of sacrifice in order to be in the presence of the Lord? You see, I suppose we all have to ask ourselves this question. And the question is this, is he worth it? Is he worth it? I hope that he is to you. And I think if we really sit down and answer that question, um, I think we would realize where we're really at with God. If we're truly honest with ourselves, I think it will provide a great indicator of how we're willing to respond to the climbing of the hill to get to that next level. So we have to make up our mind now. Is he worth it? And if the answer is yes, then awesome. We know we're going to be able to say, God, even if you sit up on that hill, I'm going to be willing to climb that because I want to get to you. But if the answer is no, When the moment presents itself, it's going to be a toss of the coin of whether or not we move forward or whether or not we don't. I want you to move forward. I want you to make the right decision. Let's go to verse 5. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. So he turns to Philip and he asks, hey, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? I like that the writer John clues us in here about what's about to happen. Verse six, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And Jesus is like, maybe at your job, Philip, but my job, just kidding. He's aiming to stretch Philip's faith. Jesus already knew it was already in the the heart of God as he walked in obedience to whatever the father was telling him to do. He already had a plan set in motion, but he's always trying to use our circumstances around us to teach us, to stretch our faith. And so he's stretching Philip's faith in this moment. And of course, the the rest of the disciples that are there and the people that are following nearby. You see, Philip grew up in a, in a town called Bethsaida, just about nine miles away. So he was likely the guy to ask, hey, what, what around here? What restaurants are around here? You know, what do you got? Is there a Jack in the Box nearby? in and out Burger, please. You know, uh, we got to find some food to feed these people. And he's like, listen, we don't even have enough money to pull this off. And Jesus is like, that's right. From a natural means, we don't have a way to pull this off. Watch what's about to happen. Verse eight, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what's good 
But what good is that with this huge crowd? I love Andrew. See, every time Andrew shows up in scripture, he's like looking around, like, who can I bring to Jesus? He's always trying to incorporate people coming into the presence of God. He always does this. Andrew's amazing. So he's looking at what's available. Verse 10, check this out. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes and the men alone numbered 5,000 people. Then Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. Jesus is literally telling them, hey guys, we're about to set up an all-you-can-eat picnic. So tell them to sit down on the grassy slopes, and they're going to be able to have as much as they want. This is so beautiful. But let's pick apart a couple key things in these these verses right here. These verses are key. They only counted the men in those days, and the men numbered about 5,000 people. So in total, we can probably estimate maybe 15,000 plus people were there, including the women and children, but they're only counting the men, right? So this is super interesting to me. Who was it that provided the five loaves and the two fish? Was it one of the men that was counted? It was the little boy. It was the little boy. The one who wasn't even counted was the one who provided the five loaves and the two fish. Isn't that just like God? Listen, man, I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but you got to catch this. You might be that kind of a person that you feel like, I don't know if I count. I don't know if I'm associated in the number. I feel behind the scenes. I feel overlooked. I feel like I'm one of the people that is so in the back and in the dark and in the shadows. I'm not up front. I'm not in front of everybody. I'm not somebody who is extremely noticeable. And you think that you don't matter. You think that you've been forgotten. You think that you've been left out, not even counted. Yet in your hands could be the very thing that if you would get it out of your hands and into his hands, you you'd be able to bless the multitudes. If what's in your hands can get into his hands, he would bless the multitudes. You see, some people need to know this right now. You need to know that you may think that you don't count, but in the eyes of God, everybody counts. Everybody counts. Listen, don't count yourself out because he doesn't count you out. Now, I know what you're thinking. You might think, I'm not gifted enough and you count yourself out. I'm not wealthy enough and you count yourself out. I'm not healthy enough and you count yourself out. I'm not popular enough and you count yourself out. We disqualify ourselves before he even gets the chance to show us what is possible. And friends, I'm telling you, we serve a God who looks at even the little boy that wasn't counted and says, what do we have right here? And with what we do have, I can bless the multitudes. Miracles can go forth. The impossible can happen if we can just get it out of our hands and into his. Whew, come on. Ugh, love this stuff. You know that the closer you get to Jesus, the more that you gain what he sees. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you gain what he sees. It wasn't Jesus that said, hey, everybody turn around and look at this little boy over here. What's he got? He's got a Lunchable. Awesome. Fantastic. Little boy, come here. Who was it that saw him? It was Andrew. Andrew was the one that looked around. He's been walking with Jesus. And he looks around and he's the one that notices this little boy. And he's like, bring this little boy up here. Look what we do have. I don't know how it's going to feed all these people. This kid's got five measly donuts and two, you know, fish sticks. This guy's not going to be able to do much with these Krispy Kremes. But hey, this is what we got. And he brings it to Jesus anyways. I love that about it. You see, you don't know what God will do with what you have until you get it into his hands. He's absolutely remarkable with doing a lot with a little. 
was taking what's right here before him. I mean, we're still here riding the wave thousands of years later of what was initiated when Jesus stepped on the planet and poured his life into 12 men. He poured his life into just a few. And look what has happened, the birth of the early church, the power. We have been trampling the kingdom of darkness and advancing the kingdom of Almighty God in remarkable and powerful ways because of the effort and the faith of a little. This miracle is reminiscent of that. Do you think that that kid's mom, when she was packing his lunch that day, knew that she was packing the ingredients for a miracle that was about to bless the multitudes and was literally going to last until the end of time? And that here we are, generations later, thousands of years later, would still be talking about the lunch that she packed? I don't think so. Do you think that this boy knew what Jesus was going to do when Andrew saw him and said, hey, kid, come over here real quick. Hey, this kid's got, you know, five Krispy Kreme donuts and two fish sticks. Can we do something with that? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of people here, but hey, I don't know. But I, I mean, I think this kid was, was willing. I think he was willing to say, you can have it. I don't know if we ever give enough to, uh, credit to the kid in this moment. I mean, he might have been like, hey, I came prepared. Y'all might be hungry, but my mom packed me a lunch and I got food enough to feed me and maybe one other person. But he was willing to not hold what he had so tightly. He was willing to give it to Jesus. Sometimes we do that, man. We hold what we have so tightly because we have this orphan mindset that's like, I only have so little. And what I have, I just need to cherish and I just need to protect it. And it's just mine, 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 mine. And we, we just stuff it deep into our pockets instead of learning to empty our pockets out and say, Jesus, if I can just get this into your hands, what could you do? What could you do with the little that I have? I want to put faith in you to believe that what he could do with what you already have is absolutely phenomenal. We just got to learn to transfer it from our hands into his. Don't hold it so tightly. Get it out of our hands and into his. Too often we're focused on what we don't have instead of what we do have. We gripe and complain that we don't have enough money in the bank. We don't have enough people in the church. We don't have enough notoriety in our community. We don't have enough likes on our posts. We don't have enough skills for that promotion. We don't have enough gas in the tank or enough clothes in the closet. And we're focused on all the things that we don't have instead of just looking at what we do have. And if we would be willing to offer to Jesus what we do have, we would watch multiplication and an incredible blessing come forth, friends. What if we just got what we already do have into Jesus' hands? What if we sowed that into him? What could Jesus do with what we already have? I wonder. See, most of the time, everything we already need for the miracle is already within our midst. We don't need something beyond what we already have. But if we'll factor God into the equation by faith, he'll begin to make what would be unbelievable, believable. Did you notice, I'm almost done here, did you notice that everybody ate as much as they wanted? In the text, it told us that everybody ate as much as they wanted. So if you were willing to scarf down, you know, 10 fish or 20 loaves of bread because you were hungry, then that would be enough. There would be enough for you. It didn't matter how much you ate. The miracle was continuing to multiply because you were willing to take more. You were hungry enough for more. What a novel thought. Check this out. Your hunger determines the degree of the miraculous. 
Your hunger determines the degree of the miraculous. The miracle kept happening in proportion to what? Your hunger. You see, this believable series that we've been on for several weeks now, I hope it's created an appetite on the inside of you to, for the impossible, to believe for the supernatural things of God to happen within our midst. I hope that as we preach these things and we tell these stories and we share these testimonies and we read these scriptures that are found in this wonderful context of scripture, as we're digging through the gospel of John, man, I, I'm praying that what we're talking about is stirring up faith on the inside of you to say, man, I believe that this stuff can actually happen happen. And in proportion to our hunger, in proportion to our faith, I'm believing that this will stretch us and that the miracle will be multiplied in our midst because we're believing greater. I hope that that's happening for you. So you got to ask yourself, are you satisfied with a God who can only do this much? Or can we believe in a God who truly does immeasurably more than we can ask or think? A God who promised the greater things we shall do. How hungry are you for more? Check out verse 12. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. You see, no matter how fragmented we may feel that we are, Luke lets us know that he broke the bread in fact, everything was in order and the people were seated and Jesus gave thanks for what he did have. Then he broke it and the food multiplied. So no matter how fragmented we feel that we are, we have to realize when he breaks us, something, a miracle can begin to happen. I feel led to say this. You got to stop running away from your past. We're products of our past, but we're not victims of it. We all have a story and some of us have a pretty broken past, a pretty fragmented past. We've endured some crazy things, but when you allow your broken pieces, your broken life to get into the hands of Jesus, it's after he, he gives thanks for who you are and all that you've gone through and he breaks us to a point where we're able to do so much more. I was talking to my wife just the other day and she was saying it's almost every single time she breaks down when she finally gets to the end of her rope and she cries out to God and says, God, I'm, I'm done. I, I've tried to be strong, but now I'm just broken. God, help me. It's in that moment that the breakthrough comes and a miracle happens. And it's happened on multiple occasions. There's just something about breaking that produces this faith for a miracle. So he breaks this bread. Just like some of us have our broken lives, man. And we wouldn't be who we are today if we didn't go through some of the broken stuff that we went through in our past. But if we'll allow our broken pieces to get into his hands, he might just use our broken lives to bless so many people around us. Simply believe that he knows how to bless the multitudes through your and my broken pieces. He doesn't waste our broken pieces. He doesn't waste our story. He doesn't waste our life experiences. It's our testimony, all of it, even some of the nasty stuff from back in the day. We don't have to run for those things. We don't have to pretend like they never happened. We can just look at it and say, man, that was a broken time period of my life, but look how God is taking that to tell this story of how good he is. Maybe that's exactly what you need today is to allow him to scoop you up and to present to him all of your broken pieces and allow him to do with it what he does best which is to multiply our life into a blessing for countless people.
if we would just give him all that we have. If you're watching this right now and God's speaking to your heart, I just want you to know now is your moment. Now is your moment to say, this is all I have, God. I just, I got a little bit of money in the bank. I got a part-time job. I got a relationship I'm trying to keep together. I got this, I got that. I don't have it all together. But what I do have, I'll just, I'll give it to you if you want it. Our senior pastor, Brian Russ, that was his prayer when he was lying there in a, in a bed and he just cried out to God and said, God, this is all I have is, is just me. Now I don't have a bunch of fancy stuff, but if you'll, if you'll take me, you can have me. God said he'll take him. And he'll take you too. Just give him what you have. It might just be your five loaves and your two fish. It might just be your broken pieces. But man, I'm telling you, if you'll get it out of you, out of your control and into his control, supernatural things will happen in your midst. Let that create a hunger inside of you to believe he wastes nothing that you've gone through. He'll shake the world with what you'll give him. Maybe pray a prayer like this if I'm speaking to you right now. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Take my broken pieces, my hurt, my pain, my history, and do something remarkable with it. I get it out of my control and I put it into your hands. And I trust you to do the miraculous, just like you did with those five loaves and two fish. Bless as many people as you possibly can, as you also bless me. I make you my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, I want to congratulate you. You're stepping into the kingdom of God. It's the most remarkable decision you could ever make. Oh, we celebrate with you. Let us know you prayed that prayer, man. Go to faithchapelsd.com and tell us that you made that decision, or you could even just simply comment on the stream right now, and we'll, we'll track you down. And we want to celebrate with you with what God's doing. Church, we love you so much. I'm glad you guys are with us here, enjoying us. And as we worship together, we're about to be opening up doors here very, very quickly. So make sure you're following us on social media so that you can get those kinds of details. But of course, we'll be continuing to make sure these messages go forth online as well. So stay tuned with all that and, and what's going on, okay? We love you so much. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.